Hello and welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. My name is Christy and I'm joined here by Andy Bannister. And we're actually talking to you live from Creation Fest in the middle of Cornwall. We're sat in this glorious shed, uh, decorated, (laughs) adorned by these lovely twinkle lights. And what shines more brightly is the person sat to my right, our special guest today, Nigel Watts, who is the UK Director of Precept Ministries. Nigel, welcome. Well, I tell you, it's uh, it's great to be here um, at Creation Fest and with you guys. So yeah. thank you for having me on the program. Oh, you're welcome. And I tell you what I'm looking forward to in this uh, this podcast, Christy, is Nigel is famous for sneaking up to people at conferences and getting them on his podcast. So yeah. I've been on your <laughs> podcast. Christy is going to be on your podcast. And before he ran away from interviewing you, Christy, we grabbed right. him uh, and sat him down in front of the microphone. So sort of revenge so is sweet. We've turned uh, the tables on I you. Feel, I feel hijacked, but, that, but that's <laughs> ambushed. Ambushed. Good military term, but I think, <laughs> but I think that's fine. Good stuff. Speaking of being ambushed, you have an incredible <clears throat> backstory, Nigel. Could you share with us some of the highlights of your of your life so far? Um, sure. I uh, grew up in a lovely family, loving family. Uh, went to what I would call a traditional Anglican church as a boy. Um, I went to boarding school. Was confirmed at fourteen, which was a meaningful experience. For me, I actually led Bible studies at school when I was 17, 18, left school at 18, um, was not bright enough, academic enough to go to university because I was a sportsman. I mm. love sports, particularly tennis. And uh, after a year of traveling around the world as a 19-year-old, um, and by God's grace, I, uh, you know, that, just looking back on some of the stories, how God protected me in that year off is, is amazing. But I decided to join the army. And so I went to Royal Military Academy Sandhurst. And uh, after commissioning and a short time with an infantry battalion, I went to a place called Middle Wallop and I (laughs) was taught to become a helicopter pilot. So I found myself age 21 in the early 80s, uh, having qualified, obviously fooled the system and uh, (laughs) flew gazelle helicopters and was posted out to Germany and was there for my first tour, three and a half years. And um, had an amazing time in Germany um, and I met who's now my wife over in Germany. So uh, that, that was great. And um, we got married in 1988, actually, about three years uh, after meeting in a place called St. Aldates in Oxford. And uh, we got married there. And uh, by that stage, we'd left our time in Germany and were back in the UK. I became an instructor, flying instructor at helicopters back at Middle Wallet. And um, I... I I have to confess, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a born-again believer when we got married, but I was very shortly after I became a Christian. Mm. So very early on in our marriage, I became a Christian. That was really through the ministry of St. Aldates and the ministry of Andover Baptist, a tremendous preacher preaching the Word of God week in, week out. And uh, it was the love of God, really, that reached out to me. And I submitted my life to Christ uh, back when I was 20... Six, twenty-seven, um, and it's been a wonderful journey since. Uh, but I did spend twenty-five years in the military, uh, flying helicopters, and uh, mm. went to many places around the world doing that. Um, some very hairy times. Um, spent two years supporting the special forces, flying my helicopters, and went to very far-flung places around the world, and in some very dangerous places mm. as well. You know, there's a saying I, I kind of hear sometimes around kind of sort of faith in the military that, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes. Christians are fond of saying this, that, you know, under the pressure of combat and stuff, you know, 
it's hard to be an atheist. But sometimes I've heard that question turned around. So, you know, you become a Christian, you're there in the military, you're in some dangerous parts of the world. Mm. Were you ever tempted to look around some of those parts of the world and go, the world is such a messy place? You know, where is God mm. in all of this? How do those questions kind yeah, of sit together? I, I think so, certainly. I mean, looking back at the time that I was uh, serving in Iraq and uh, in, in Baghdad, um, living in the city of Baghdad, mm. um, which was relatively secure. It was called the Green Zone at the time. Um, but I had to travel from the city of Baghdad to the airport, which was about 10 miles away. And um, the road that went from the city to the airport was called Route Irish. I don't know why it's called Route Irish, but it was called Route Irish. And um, it was the most dangerous stretch of road in the whole of mm. that country. Mm. And suicide bombers would wait on access roads to the motorway, waiting to drive into military convoys, military-looking vehicles, blow themselves up and blow you up as well. And um, I had to drive on that road every day, uh, twice a day. <laughs> and uh, we had a, a, in the ops room at the airport, we had a digital map of, of the city of Baghdad and you would have red dots um, symbolizing explosions or killings that had happened. And not infrequently, there were these red dots on route Irish. And I would look at the times that this, the incidents had happened thinking, flipping it, I was driving along that road 10 minutes before this explosion happened. And I think, what came to my understanding was that actually our, our, the days that we live on this earth are numbered by God. There was nothing that I could do to extend my days or shorten them uh, in that situation. And Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And that became a very dear verse to me. Um, and recognizing that actually my days are numbered, all our days are numbered. Um, and so, although I was in the midst of horrific things that were going on, uh, seeing that, experiencing that, um, I knew through my faith that, that actually God was with me mm. at that particular time. So uh, I think it's in the difficult times of life, we know this uh, from biblically, but also personal experience, that it's in those really tough times that we have to dig deep into our understanding of and relationship with God. Mm. God's word is so important to you personally and in your ministry. Uh, you, you were telling me earlier on that you were leading Bible studies in Baghdad. What, what did that look like? Well, yes, um, I was. And uh, I, there was a particular day, one day, I was, I was with a US chaplain actually, and uh, we were in, a, um, in the cookhouse eating a meal and um, there was this huge explosion which, which went off very close by and the, the ground shook and it was a rocket attack on the airfield mm. and um, it last landed about 200 meters away uh, it destroyed a number of helicopters and um, you know they, they worked out that these rockets had, had come in from about 16 kilometers away um, through that um, I actually set up a Bible uh, a Bible study uh, with with um, some guys using actually some of the precept Bible study material and uh, although the numbers weren't great it was like an oasis <laughs> mm. <laughs> to be able to meet together with other Christians to pray um, and I've never forgotten it actually it was you know it was in the midst of in the midst of our enemies literally mm. but there we were studying the word of God and um, remembering that God was with us. And so yes, the Bible is very important to me and I've always taken it with me wherever I went in the military and sought to 
in gentle ways really encourage others in their faith too hmm. obviously doing Bible studies in the middle of a war zone with bombs going off is is kind of one thing I mean I did I did sort of youth work on a fairly dodgy you know part of London years ago but it was not nearly as dramatic as that Nigel but um, <laughs> thank you Christy for going that piece of bad humor um, <laughs> I suppose my question for you now: You're back in the now you're back in the UK and are doing the work you're doing with with Precept um, Christian Ministry and so forth. Are there are there lessons you learnt in in the war zones? Are there kind of lessons you learnt there mm. about sharing your faith mm. in that kind of pressure cooker environment that actually have translated back into back into sort of for want of a better word normal life here yeah. in the yeah I think UK? I think absolutely. There's an urgency actually. Um, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 28, go make disciples. So, so in a war zone, I didn't know how many days I was mm. going to be living. And so actually, um, there was an urgency to communicate faith to, to others. And I think back here, um, that urgency uh, has translated uh, in, in a slightly different context. And I think one of the things that I would say to those listening is uh, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading to share our journey, our testimony with others. And God, if we really think about it, God gives us, he does give us opportunities to do that. Uh, the question is, are we looking out for those opportunities? Mm. I have a wonderful American friend of mine who, call, who refers to the Holy Spirit as Bob. I don't know why he calls <laughs> the Holy Spirit Bob, but he does. And he gets up every morning and says, right, Bob, who have you got for me today? to share my faith with, to bless in some way. And I think that attitude of getting up saying, okay, Lord, you know, as believers, followers of Christ, this is an exciting journey. And um, so I've sought to be open to God's leading to share my faith um, with people. And when I say, say share faith, I think referring to the person of Jesus is so important. We can refer to God, mm. but when you talk about Jesus, then you can ask people, what's your understanding of Jesus? You know, uh, I mean, we're at Creation Fest right now, aren't we? <laughs> I remember two years ago, um, I actually left Creation Fest for a short time to go and play tennis at uh, for the Inter Services Championships at Wimbledon. And you I serve in many ways, Nigel. And I had to get, <laughs> and I had to get, I had to get a taxi. I had to get a taxi from here, from Creation Fest to the local. Um, it was Bodmin Parkway actually station. And so this guy called Bill, he's a taxi driver. <coughs> Bill picks me up at the gate and he takes me. And Bodmin Parkway is quite away from here, actually. Mm. It's about half an hour. So I'm in the taxi and, and of course, we set off. And mm -hmm. the first question that Bill asks me is, hey, what's that event that's going on in that place that I've just picked you up from? And I start to tell him about Creation Fest and it's a Christian conference and whatever. And this is what he says. You're not one of those religious types, are you? And for 10 minutes in the taxi... He is going off on one about Christ, about religion and faith and how that is the root of all the problems in the world. And while he's talking, I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, please, you know, I'm being I'm being attacked here by Bill, the taxi driver. How do I respond to this? Mm. And uh, he was talking about religion and religious people and all this. And I believe the Lord just gave me uh, a, a question to ask him. Mm. And I said, uh, Bill, have you heard of a guy called Jesus? <laughs> and of course, he, he looks at me a little bit sort of quizzically as he's driving me in the taxi. He said, yes. I said, well, Bill, you know what? What you're talking about religion and, or, or religious people and all that stuff, 
Jesus would agree with you. And in fact, Jesus reserved his harshest comments for the religious leaders of the day. So he'd be right on your case. And he sort of looked at me a bit shocked. And then I was able to tell him a little bit about Jesus. When he collected me 36 hours later from um, Bodmin Parkway to bring me back to Croatia First after my tennis event, I had been home and I got a tract. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful tract that I use a lot. And it's the story of a guy in the First World War who's uh, his best buddy standing in next to him in the trenches and he's shot and he's about to die. And he turns to his buddy and said, I'm about to die, how do I get to heaven? And his best buddy, this guy's writing the tract, um, looking back on this story, doesn't know. And he, he asked down the trenches, hey, you know, Bert's about to die, he's asked, how do you get to heaven? You know, um, can we help him? And none of them could help him. And he writes in this tract, there we were, brought up in Christian England, mm-hmm. so-called, and the guy's dying, you can't give him, um, you know, you've got to tell him what the truth is. And eventually it gets to a machine gun at the end of the line. He says, this is the way. And he points to the verse, John 3.16. Mm. And he comes back down the <coughs> trenches and he's able to read John 3.16 as mm. this guy's dying. Mm. And, um, and uh, at that moment, he, you know, um, he, he's, he's saved, literally. Um, and so a tract, using a tract, was very helpful. And so I, I brought one of these tracts. I didn't talk about Jesus at all in the taxi on the way back because I thought Bill's thinking, oh, this guy's going to bash me over the head with a Bible. I didn't mention it. We talked about all sorts of other things. And then just as he dropped me off at the gate here at Creation Fest, I handed him the tract. I said, Bill, here's something that I would love you to read. Um, one day, I would love to see you in heaven. And this is a story that's going to help you on your way. Thanks for the taxi ride. Have a great day. And actually, the, the rest of it is up to the Lord, really. I think there's a, there's a couple of aspects of that story I like, um, I like tremendously, Nigel. I love the idea of actually, I think tracts have become a little bit underrated in today's age. You know, I grew up in a world where they were more common. I think they, they, they are a bit less now. And the idea of having some you know, resources that you can draw upon in your back pocket. Um, I also love that story of the journey back of having the wisdom to go, you know, you had a quite an intense conversation on the way out. On the way back, just give it a bit of breathing space. Because yeah. uh, I think there are two mistakes, aren't there, that Christians make. Sometimes we don't press in. Mm. A lot of times we, 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 uh, we press in too much. Mm. Um, but obviously you've got a military background, and, and so some would say, well, it's all right for you, Nigel. You learn to fly helicopters and run through fire zones and drive down the Irish road and, you know, have bombs going up all around you. So, you know, taxi, cross talking to a taxi driver is, you know, easy, really. But but some people are just terrified of, you know, sort of saying boo to a goose. But, you know, I admire the fact that you're actually quite a quietly spoken chap, but you just seem to have this sort of quiet confidence and willingness to step into these conversations. Did that just come naturally, or is that something any Christian can... Can, can learn to do just to look for those opportunities I, I think any them. I honestly think any Christian can learn to do it and you know often we know <coughs> that the, the hardest thing is to do it the first time <laughs> you know, oh I can never share my faith with anybody well I think it is raised a really in, important point here and that's to recognize actually what Jesus has done in your life and if if you can identify those things that Christ has done in your life. I mean, the first thing that happened to me when I became a Christian is I stopped swearing. I mean, I'm in a military background, mm. you know, there's swearing, there's pornography, there's all sorts of stuff, and I just stopped swearing overnight. And there are, there are practical things that we can identify that Christ has actually done for us. It may be, well, you know, my relationship with my, with my wife or my son or my, my parents has, has been restored. Um, I'm actually less angry than I used to be. 
um, I'm more generous. You know, I, I, you know, they talk about two conversions, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the wallet. Well, actually, I'm, I'm prepared <laughs> to give my money away now and, and uh, actually set up a standing order to the church to do this. There, there are simple things that we can identify that Christ has made a difference in our life about. And those are the things that I think we can share. And I don't think, you know, I have a lovely Christian friend of mine in preset called Bob Vereen. He said, you know, if it was up to me to convert some some mm. people, there are some people out there that I wouldn't want to convert because they're horrible people. And, and But actually, it's not my job to convert them. That's up to Christ. What we're to do is to be, we're not all called to be evangelists. The, the, obviously, there's a gift of evangelism. Mm. But we are all called to be a witness. You know, we're called to be a witness to Christ. And I think we can all be witnesses to what Christ has done in our lives. So it's identifying those things and being open, as I said, to the Spirit of God to share those things and and not being afraid. I think fear can stop us sharing our faith, mm. And but there's a hurting world out there and we have such good news to share. And that sim- those simple things... Um, I remember plumbers, we've had plumbers, electricians come to our home and I've ended up talking to them about Christ. You think, well, how did that happen? Well, it's something that he said or it maybe he's got a biblical name. I think this plumber, his name was Daniel. And I just said, oh, you've got, oh, that's a good biblical name. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know about Daniel in the Bible? And, you know, and that would lead on to a conversation um, about things, biblical things and and it's those one-on-one conversations I think we have in our mind to be an evangelist you've got to stand on a stage in front of 2,000 mm. people mm. you know we once had a, a dear lady we were doing a training actually on uh, evangelism and being a witness and at the end of the day the lady was very frustrated and she said well I don't know what my spiritual gift is and, and so we said well what, what do you do she said well I'm a taxi driver and so I, I take people from one place to another and this is what she said and I can't stop people I can't stop telling people in my taxi about Jesus but I don't know what my spiritual gift is. <laughs> and so we said to the other people in the workshop, well, what, what's her gift? Said, you're an evangelist. Am I? Am I? Yes, you're an evangelist. She didn't even know she was an evangelist. So there may be some folks out there that are already sharing their faith that don't recognize actually mm. that they've got a gift of evangelism. Mm. Um, but I would say just don't be fearful and be open to the Spirit of God and to seek to be obedient to that prompting. You know, we all recognize situations where we've been prompted and we've stood back because of fear or what are they going to say but I just say go for it you've got nothing to lose sometimes it turns out not brilliantly but you know what God can use that as a seed in that person's life um, you know one of a numbers of points in that person's life to bring them to faith mm. and and actually when you look back on life what's the most important thing that we're, we're going to be doing it's actually bringing people to faith because we're talking about eternal destinies here. Mm, yeah. Right, right. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier on is how uh, the Spirit applies God's Word to us. So just in this kind of last couple of minutes or so, I'd really love to hear, do you have any practical tools as to how we can not only have these conversations but also just open up God's Word with those who don't yet know Him? Yeah, well, the ministry that we're involved with teaches people how to study the Word of God. We use a, a simple method called the inductive study method where we observe the text carefully, we want to interpret it in its context and then seek to live it out. Uh, if people want to know more about that, they can contact Precept Ministries, we'll, we'd love to help them with that. And, and through that, I think um, scripture memorization is a really good one um, because if, we, if we're able to memorize scripture, then the Holy Spirit can bring those scriptures to mind at appropriate times and you know what? Scripture is powerful. It's far more powerful than our own words. And if we can, if we can speak Scripture, then God can take that and use that mm. 
in a situation in a person's life that that is it is supernatural and, uh, and wonderful. That's a uh, that's great advice, Nigel. It's um, been an absolute privilege uh, yeah. having you on yes. the on the show. Thank you for the work that you uh, you and the folks through Precept uh, do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's all from us. So join us uh, next time uh, for another guest and probably another location. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you on a future episode of a uh, pep talk. Thanks oh, for right. thanks for listening. Thank you.